Welcome, guys, to the MMOs.com podcast. This is Omer with episode 68, and I'm joined this week by... Oh, Gumble. I hate push to talk. Push to talk. <laughs> and Matt. Gumby, you had one job. You had sorry. one job, Gumby. I'm not used to push to talk. I have to use push to talk now. All right. Well, we are missing two uh, souls this week. They are both AFK. Altai is away on international business. Uh, Matt did clarify why he's actually away in the pregame. But that's why you got to join the pregame if you want to see the fun chat. And Shu is still uh, MIA for family stuff. And I think I'll, I'll tell you we'll definitely be back by next week. Shu probably as well. And uh, this week, as always, we're going to start off with the weekly raid. And I'm going to throw that... The weekly raid. To Gumby. So if you guys uh, don't read the site, you just show up for this. Uh, a brief overcap of what happened this week. Some fun stuff. Uh, if you don't know, uh, company Studio Wildcard, which is the developer behind Ark Survival Evolved, released a paid DLC for 20 buckaroos. Um, if you don't know, Ark Survival Evolved is a uh, buy-to-play survival game. It costs 40 bucks, the DLC costs 20, and people were pissed. <laughs> Real pissed. So if you look right now at the Steam page, the Ark Survival Evolved uh, overall recent rating is mostly negative. The DLC page is also negative, and a lot of people are shouting that this is totally unethical, that there is no reason for a company to be releasing a DLC for a game that's still in early access. So really this week, what I'm asking is, uh, should early access games be allowed to release DLC? Is it ethical? Is it unethical? And I think that there's a general knee-jerk reaction that says, no, it's not. No! I think, I think there's, there's something interesting because uh, we live, the industry now, um, uh, if you don't know, a lot of people release early access games. Most things seem to stay in Early Access. Early Access is a, a sticker that basically says, we're just going to keep developing this until we get bored. Uh, it, it's kind of like a, it's a buffer against any bugs or, or breaks. So I'm curious if, if a game is, is, maybe it's not feature complete for what the developers wanted, but if there's enough content there, is it okay for there to be a DLC? And by DLC, and I don't want to talk about uh, arc specifically, I mean abstractly, right? Mm -hmm. In general, I just want to get away from the arc thing because there are there's questions there that go beyond this incident. Um, because I can see a game or a company, like say uh, the Culling, if they added a new map on their early access game, it would revitalize interest in the game. The game currently has like 300 players. You add a yeah. new map, you bolster your player base. I think sometimes releasing a DLC, paid or unpaid, doesn't matter. I don't want to talk about that yet. Uh, it, it can be very effective in helping keeping interest in your game because when you have an early access title, it's very easy for people to burn out on it. You gotta put out content. All right, Gumby. So Gumby. go ahead, take it I, away. I am, I am, I am gonna have to attack this with the popular. No, I want you to. See, that's the point. Okay. But I, but I don't want it to be emotionally. Give me a good reason why okay. this should never be allowed. I'll tell you why. Like, early access, by like their own definition, means it's not ready. It's still mm -hmm. like going through the development process. And re releasing DLC as is, adding new content. You describe new content for an arc. You describe new content for a game like um, The Calling. Yeah, yeah. And, and this applies to MRP any MRPG as well. There's a lot of early access MRPG and stuff on Steam as well. But adding new content is perfectly fine. And games should add new content. But when you say add DLC, it's a paid content. How could they well, be that's, releasing that's, paid that's content? That's not necessarily they, true. I well, think there's a that DLC doesn't necessarily mean paid. Wait, but in this case, uh, I think... Listen, if you release content that's free, that's I don't think anyone's going to have an issue. Obviously, yeah, yeah, sure, a game has sure. to be updated. But the controversy, of course, is Ark releasing a paid expansion pack for 20 bucks for a game that's in early access. Either they're, they're using the term early access dishonestly. I think that's really the issue. I do think it's unethical to release paid content for a game in early access. Get your <coughs> game out of early access. 
then release it. Otherwise, you're just being dishonest. It, it's not even unethical, it's being dishonest. Uh, now, I, I before you take it away, that... I just want to clarify one thing that Omer, Omer, you took it to the paid thing, but I think that there's still a question, even if it's not paid. I, mean, I don't know if this is going to qualify against some map, but like, if a company spends a lot of effort on releasing a big expansion or a big DLC and it's free, but it's still deviating from the original intention, I think there's still an issue there that has to be addressed. Go ahead. Okay, so there are two things I want to say. First off, I think it's hard to use the term early access dishonestly because it's such a nebulous term that there's not really any way to be dishonest about it. It's just you're you're not in a state where you're ready to call it release. That's that's literally all it means. Right. Now, I mean that that's so nebulous it's not even funny. But um, what I was gonna say is that I I don't. It really depends on the game whether or not paid DLC is like acceptable. And in the terms of in terms of Ark specifically, I'm gonna do it real quick and then move on from it. It's just Ark is. Arc works, you know what I mean? It works on a fundamental level. People have been playing it for a long time, and, I mean, it's got a solid foundation. If all, like, if they're taking existing mechanics and they're making DLC based on existing mechanics, I don't see the problem with it, because the, the mechanics are there, and you're building new content based on it and asking money based on, like, you know, what you think is... The right amount to ask for the time you spent on it like in their own words they basically built a whole another arc you know what i mean without them having to rebuild the mechanics obviously so i don't see the problem with that and um if it has as much content as they say that do that it does it's not really an issue to me but now see if you have a game where you have fundamental issues like the game is crashing or you can't get out of the tutorial or something and what you're doing is adding like more end game content and asking people to pay for it. Then you have an issue because you can't even ha you have people that can't even get out of the tutorial. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you can't even make it out of the tutorial and you're asking them to pay for the content that they can't get to, they literally can't get to, then that's a problem. Or if you have like a simple like prologue and you ask them to pay for the rest of it, that's dishonest. Unless you say, oh, hey, this is episodic. You have to pay for a little bit of it later. Like, there have been episodic games that have put themselves under early access because not all the episodes have been released. But like I said, I, I don't see a problem with ARCs because it's fundamentally it works. And I mean, it's kind of like if Minecraft, while they were still in like the whole development phase, before they added the end, before they added the like basic ass story that they have in that like the narrative more like it's not really a story but um before they added that they had asked for you to pay for more biomes you know i mean it's it's technically not done but it's also technically done right technically according to the early access definition on steam okay it is way too nebulous and it can literally mean anything the way steam is describing early access is we like to think of these games as games in development, uh, game development as services that grow, evolve with the involvement of customers in the community. There have been a number of prominent titles that embrace this model. So basically they're saying the game is being actively developed. These are games that evolve as you play them, as you give feedback, and as developers update and add content. So I feel like this definition of early access means it's fair game. However, this literally just, wouldn't League of Legends or World of Warcraft be considered early access as well then? By their yeah, device definition? They, they, they aren't, but they could be. That's... It's up to the developer or publisher's discretion. That's the thing. And Steam has written themselves a definition that absolves them of any sort of legal responsibility yes. in the event that somebody sues over it. Wait, here's the issue. Okay, the 
I think strictly to the definition on Steam's early access, they're not doing anything wrong. However, whether whether I think whether we acknowledge it or not, early access has a meaning beyond just what's written down on the Steam page. Early access typically means a game that's not finished, essentially. And when they release a paid expansion, paid DLC, it's kind of, I feel like it's an insult to use. And I can't be the only one that thinks this way. Again, mostly negative user reviews at the current moment, okay? People clearly don't like the fact that they're releasing paid DLC when they admit that their well, not admit, but their base game isn't finished yet. How do you release the it paid? Well, that's content? the thing. I don't think this is about. I think this whole controversy isn't about Ark specifically. I think this is a, a general dissatisfaction, a representative of a general dissatisfaction with the early access tag. Because I played Ark, and the main thing it suffered from was optimization issues. Uh, but it, from the last time I played, I played it about six, seven months ago. I don't know what the current state of the game is, but there's there's a ton of features there. That it, it could call itself fully released besides optimization, uh, not counting in what they originally intended, and it would be fine. And I think what's happened is people, as you said, as you brought up WoW and League, I think people, I think the early access tag, Matt's right, it, it is their discretion, but it, the tag is abused and people, people feel like they're getting uh, a scam when they see it because even when you already see early access, I think when people see the early access tag now, there's such this negative connotation, like, okay, I'm buying into this, but it could be a scam. These guys could, you know, leave me high and dry. And and I think that's <laughs> that's what's happened here. Because from what I've seen, what's funny about the reviews, if you read the reviews, again, I, I hate going back to art, but it's fine. If you read the reviews, a lot of people write, this is a great DLC, but I don't support this ethically. This is unethical. I think that's funny. Yeah. Um, because it really points to a flaw in, in the tag itself. And early access ain't going away anytime soon. Um, so, again, I, I will say, vote with your wallet. But the, the population of the game has increased, on average, I think, by 10K. So even though there's all this negativity, people are still playing and buying into it. But go ahead. Uh, I just hate the fact that developers have started to use early access as a blanket excuse. It's a cop-out. It's a complete cop-out. I mean, yes. even games, the games are in early access for years now. It's just like, oh, there's a bug in the game. Does that work perfect? Oh, bro, it's early access. It's early access. Oh, <laughs> exactly. It's a total buffer. That's in it. You can't, but you can't, I don't know what you do to, to get around it. I mean, it's, it comes down to talking about it, I guess, because there's no, you can't have like some bureaucratic system place to be like, well, you don't, you shouldn't be in early access anymore. You should release. You had a, uh, you had so a game. Did any of you guys play Otherland? This game is also currently in I, I didn't play Otherland. No, I left that one to you. Okay, this is also an early access game. I actually had a chance to play this, and it costs money right now, but I think it, the free-to-play version should be launching relatively soon. You can play it free, to free to play, play on the website. Okay, you on, can now. Just not on, on Steam. Steam. You gotta pay for it, okay, for whatever reason. This is weird. Okay, but it's, uh, it's now it's an MMORPG using the early access tag. There's dozens of these games on, on Steam that use early access tags. But what's remarkable about this is they actually advertise as being one of the most complete early access titles. So they actually boasted their like functionality, their overall completeness, and everything. So they, they describe this as such. But what's remarkable is, specifically to, to Otherland, the game is absolutely unplayable trash when I first played it. I mean, <laughs> I, it literally took me five... Well, who knows what it's like now, you know? Yeah, yeah. It took me five characters. I, I, I just not. I am not exaggerating. It took me five characters to get through the tutorial because they'd be stuck in various points where it's inescapable. Something didn't trigger. The quest didn't actually hand in. I got stuck somewhere. Logging in off did not work. So you literally had to try five times to get out of the tutorial. So it's awful. So if anything, early access. Those are early access, bro. You it's can't early access, that. bro. You can't complete. You can't compare them. You, yeah, it's a well, cop I mean, out. 
to be honest, that is using the early access. All right, to be fair, it is using early access properly. I mean, it's Correct, got yeah. issues. It's unfinished. I think the thing is, it's funny that people say they feel like they're going to get scammed now with the early access tag as it is with games coming out of early access all the time. Yeah, if 70%. it were used properly, if it were used properly, it would be a lot worse. <laughs> like true. the results would be a lot worse. Yeah, there was a study done uh, recently. When early access first launched, I think it was like between 20 and 40% of games got finished. But then again, that was when it was first launched. But now, uh, I think as of six months ago, it's about 70% of early access games do get do see full completion. Um, right. I thought that was interesting. I want, I want to steer this discussion a little bit to uh, another Please. game that I believe was on early. I'm not sure the tag was early access on Steam. But we had a game called uh, Trinium Wars, all right? We actually gave away, I think... Um, we gave away some keys for this game. It was buy to play. It was buy to play, right? And then it went free to play. And I'm ready to call this an early access scam. Straight up scam. And the reason being is actually it officially shut down on August uh, 30th, or 31st rather. And the game is gone for good. However, they did charge money for it. So a lot of players ended up, not a lot, because who's gonna play this game based on this trailer, right? A lot of people ended up paying for this game with, with money and the game shut down very quickly. I forgot exactly when it launched, but I don't think it lasted more than six months. Uh, I, think this... the, I think the problem with this one is that they really were banking on it selling better to survive. Like, it, it was pretty clear they had no money if, to have shut down this quickly. I mean, it... But did, did, they, not, really did, did they not know that they had funding constraints before they even asked money for it? They knew... This, they, was, yeah. this was somebody who realized they had a bunch of old assets... Because this was a game that had uh, tried launching before, and the project fell apart, and this was a relaunch, right? So this, this this was somebody taking assets, recycling them, pushing this out to try and make a quick buck, not realizing uh, how much money it cost to actually. No, no, I, th I think they realized it, and they're like, "Wait a minute, let's go scam yeah. some people." <laughs> I genuinely think it's hard to call it a scam because it works. I mean, you can pull off scams. You can pull off scams, Matt. He successfully pulled off the scam. And the word "scam"'s got to get banned. <laughs> We wouldn't have anything to talk about. Uh, Matt, Matt, why do you think it's not a scam? I'm curious. Because it works. It's exactly what they said it is. Yeah, it but it, it worked for two months. It worked for like six months and it shut down because nobody was playing it, not because people were playing it and they took the money and run. But here's the issue. They knew before they launched this game. The developer knew. This was well, most destined developers to know when they're having money issues that they're having money issues before it launches and they gamble it anyways because what the hell else are you supposed to do but here's the thing this isn't a new game here's the article on kotaku when it was first mentioned it was called law i think and living it was a different everywhere. company that had it it was the same no, forget the company no, it was one developer that was in both of the things it was a different company he's a ceo not this developer the guy the c he basically owns a company he's a ceo he runs. He runs a show. He maybe he swapped a couple it's of just, investors you, around. You can't call it a scam just because they rolled the dice. You know what I mean? No, here's a scam. Here's yeah, why. I'm not, let me, I wouldn't call it a scam. Let me explain either. specifically it why it's a scam. Okay, you guys, let me get. No, let me explain iffy. why. It's iffy. Oh, let's hear his reasoning. I'm very curious. I've, I've yet to explain why it's a scam. Okay. I'm very curious. To hear here's why it was. Why it's a here's scam. why it's Go a scam. Please. The year is 2009. Okay, Mr. Mr. Lee, what's his name? Jang Wook Lee. Mr. Jang Wook Lee. He's got a concept for this game. Living Afterward. There were screenshots. There was actually gameplay videos for this game. And I guess he must have raised money somewhere. And then he released a press release. And the press release came to Kotaku. Came to a bunch of places. And he's describing the game. He's got some functional product. And for whatever reason, the game doesn't go anywhere. Right? It never releases Right? in 2009. This is when the game was kind of fresh. You know, It was being freshly developed. It had some... 
the Gravish were, were still kind of dated, but they were, you know, it fit the time a bit more, 2009. Early 2009, might I add. And now, all of a sudden, seven years later, this guy, this Mr., the, the, the CEO, is like, wait a minute, remember that game Living After War? What if I just change the name? I found this old disc over here. I still got the basic concepts working. Let's pop it on Steam. We'll call it Early Access, because this whole Early Access thing is a thing now. There was no such thing as Early Access back in the day, you know? We slapped that Early Access tag on it. We charged money for it. Bada bing, bada boom. But here's why I still think it's a scam. If you look at the original press release regarding this game, they, they really hyped this up in, like, some broken English. They actually specifically said that, um... The game has a well-known movie director from the Star Wars participating okay, in designing I've definitely, the game. I've definitely like countered this a bunch of times on the podcast, and basically what I think happened is their PR director was a piece of crap back then, because in the new one, they actually say the truth about everything. So I think ProSieben sat, not the developer, this this was ProSieben sat one that sent out this press release. I'll explain who it is. It's an independent PR company, right? No, Proceed Sat One is a major was a major MMORPG publisher at the time, okay. and they own something or other now. I'd have to look it up. All right, listen, listen. Here's but a, here, their their public their um PR people were obviously pieces of crap. And you can't you can't just say that because look this this is a small studio. Clearly, the guys that made this game were not a big studio. There was literally probably him and like four other employees. All right, guaranteed this press release got in front of the CEO before it went out. He approved it. Like, he had to have seen this. Yeah, and he looked at this and he said, "Ah, oh, we're good." But guys, a well-known movie director from the Star Wars. Oh, that's what they owned all of Playa. They yeah. owned all of Playa. But again, all right, regardless yeah. of what Trinium Wars is, it's right. dead now. He he threw the Star Wars out there. He's he's pimping the fact that he worked on Diablo Two as well as yeah. he. And but you don't know that he's doing that. You don't know that. No, you don't. No, to be he fair, is no, the CEO, you don't. The buck stops with him. Fact. I mean, okay, some some CEOs are, are pretty absent-minded. The publisher is usually who directs the image of the game. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Unless he specifically rescinded everything in this press release, it's on him. He could have, he could have easily came on Twitter, publicly said, this all press release is all crap. I didn't do this. We fired the PR company. That never happened. All right? I'm not wrong about that either. You can't fire but... a PR company for a publisher. That's what they want. It doesn't matter. You, you can, as it, your name is on the line. He's the CEO of the company. He can just say, okay, whatever this PR company said is not true. Anyway, my... Ultimately, you can tell that this game didn't happen in 2009 when it was intended to actually happen, where the game was actually a little bit relevant. And nowadays, it, it launched in 2016. Did you see that trailer? Should I put it on again? Okay, but, but it isn't the same game also. You, they've we don't talked know. about how they redeveloped a lot of it. Okay, they, I'm and, sure I mean, a lot of the features, the, a lot of the features that are in Trinium Wars are not mentioned in anything about law. So anyway, they, charged, they, had, they had the audacity to charge money for this game, and some people, you know, they got scammed. I'm still calling and, it a scam. It would, they were, and I mean, during <laughs> early access, even during early access, they put out a ma major expansion. I mean, you can't really say it's a scam. They did what they could with what they had. You know, I think of a scam. I think of people going door to door selling knives. <laughs> that's just like, like that's like their life savings. That's like MLM I mean, scamming. Not, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah. you're saying it's a scam, but people got exactly what they paid for. No, they, they don't. For as long as Matt. they wanted, but okay, they got well, exactly what Matt, they paid Matt, for. Matt, if you buy a monitor, if I if I if I, if I sell your Roll monitor, and, sir, and, and it breaks after three Last months, points. Matt, if I sell your monitor and it breaks in three months, did you get exactly what you paid for? That's not even close to the you same. Got, though. The you game doesn't it. work anymore. The monitor doesn't work anymore. Well, the monitor did say this monitor will work for three Matt, months. Look, if this game yeah. had a single player mode, you know what? There was no scam, okay? But the game just doesn't work anymore. At least you can play well, single player. It's fine. 
But here's here's why specifically it's a scam. Go ahead, wrap the, it up. Let's go. Right, it up. Last point. It's it's a scam because the developer knew the game was outdated. He knew it had no chance of succeeding because this was a 2009 game that was repackaged for a 2016 release. That's why it's a scam. I really doubt they know that. In fact, it seemed like the CEO was fairly passionate about it. Yeah, he's pa he's passionate like, to scam my money. Yeah, yeah he was very passionate about that. Most these knives I got back in 2009. When I, was looking I, I don't think you realize that people don't bring back games unless they're like really determined. Like, it it doesn't happen just to scam people. Like, you don't redevelop a game just to scam. But people. we don't know how much they redeveloped it. Again, you're assuming he's. I'm actually. I'm actually money. gonna. I, I gotta go with Matt in this one. I'm all sorry. Right. All right. Go that. That, that's it. All right, I, so let's, uh, let's move on. Let's move on. So uh, this is the part where we talk about what we played this week, which is a, a far more positive bring. Uh, uh, we played Twin Saga, which should have been called Astral Realm. Did you guys play anymore after it a Sunday made Monday? Sense. I, I, I've imagine. not had time. Well, no, I did have time. It's We've been messing with the internet a lot, so I haven't mm -hmm. really been able to. Yeah, so. Still an anime generic game, but still fine. Still good. I, I liked it. It was cute. It lulled me into a false sense of security and then got really lewd really <laughs> fast. Really and, lewd, um, really fast. We also played Battlefield 1, which I think we're all a little more enthusiastic about. Um, my own summary of Battlefield 1, if you haven't played the open beta, which is still available till Thursday, is it's Pew Pew uh, the Simulator, and it's Avoid the Snipers the Simulator. So it's it's... Once you die, you can spawn right back in and start firing off shots, but for some reason, that's fun. Will that fun last? I don't know. I'll mention Twin Side a little bit, because, I mean... Go it, ahead. It's still a relatively, you know, it's, it's, it's a decently sized launch for area. I mean, beyond Twin Saga, I think their next big launch is going to be uh, Bless Online, and even that's, you know, I don't think it's going to be as big as Twin Saga, because at least it's X-Legend, X-Legends have cred. But I, I think it's a pretty solid game. If you're looking for a pretty chill MMORPG to play, pretty uh, laid back, it's, it's a casual game. I don't think anyone is going to go into Twin Saga saying, I'm looking for a hardcore MMO experience over here. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's absolutely cool. not. Or if you got a kid and they like anime, make that their first MMORPG. I think it's a great introduction. Easily approachable. Yeah, they, they all understand a lot of the words in the dialogue. That's okay. Yeah, the dialogue actually is pretty... Some, some, some solid SAT words in there. I they, they really are. Do you guys remember that one quest early on? I actually wrote this down. I, had, I, I thought it was pretty funny. I had to look up some of the words. I'm not me too, lie. me too. I, I looked up some of the words because I, I didn't know what they meant. But... Uh, so one of the one of the quests, for example, do you guys remember where you had to sneak at that bandit camp? Uh, vaguely. Okay, what's funny is you have to like, like, there's a whole bunch of female bandits, right? And in order to distract them, you put a jewelry box in front of them, and they go, "Oh my god, jewelry!" And they all oh, yeah. they, they all just stand in front of it, like looking at the jewelry, and it's like almost like sexist slash hilarious that you can just sneak right past them after you put a you walk up, put a box in front of them, and you walk right past them. <laughs> I think for the guys, you put like a toy in front of them, and they get distracted too. It was a toy frog. Yeah, it was a toy frog. Very masculine. <laughs> The the dialogue in the game was I think the the best part about the game for me. Oh, easily the best part. Like otherwise you have some pretty generic gameplay. I don't think it did the class system as well as Eden Eternal. My my two cents on that. Mm. And other otherwise it just felt like a like a pretty simple game. But the actual mechanics I don't think are, were pretty remarkable, but dialogue was A plus and it's a very approachable, simple game. If you're bored you want to check it out. And the finishers are entertaining, at least on the regular mobs. Yep. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You suplex monsters and pull their ears and murk them. It's fun. And you also blow up birds and watch them go flying away like a balloon and smash to the ground and die. <laughs> and of course, we all played some Battlefield 1 as well. Uh, together a few times, actually, too. 
It's a, it's definitely a fun game to run into uh, with a bunch of people. I think if I played on my own, it would it might get a little too repetitive. But it, and and maybe map variety would spice it up a bit. But, I'm hoping uh, map variety kills the snipers. Yeah, yeah I agree. Hate snipers. But uh, I I think. I had the benefit of dropping into a game that within five minutes the sandstorm started up, and I was like immediately sold. Immediately. <laughs> really? The sandstorm actually blurred my vision to the point that I was freaking the fuck out trying to figure out where people were. I mean, I haven't had that kind of sense in a while. I, I think mean, uh, I was enjoying it a lot too. I don't care what level is everyone, because I played. I think I played the most out of us. I'm level, with, I'm level 35, 36 or so. Probably a little higher, 38. I think, I think I'm level 19. But I'm actually, level I have no idea. <laughs> Like, I, don't, was, I don't even know where to see it. I kind of wish I, mean, I waited my first video until after I played a couple of rounds. I, I've been top frag like almost every game I played now, like top on the scoreboard. On my first video, I did quite poorly because it was literally my, my second game. But then again, that's why it's called the first. Like I'm allowed to suck, so I, right. I, get, I, get, I get a pass. I am seeing a lot of people in the chat complaining that this isn't what World War One is like, and I'm just looking at them like, who the fuck cares? It's fun. Yeah. I, I, well, if you were to compare Battlefield One to Battlefield 1942, uh, the the main difference is that Battlefield One is mo is is basically a death match with vehicles, because you can spawn right back in and start getting frags again. Whereas 1942, you would spawn like halfway across the map, so you did not want to die. Mm -hmm. So it kind of promotes just running gun gameplay, you know, running through the buildings with a shotgun. But I don't really see an issue with that. No, I'm not saying there's an issue. I just think that's that's uh, part of the general sense your life isn't as valuable. But, I mean, I, again, I had fun. It's a beautiful game. Uh, vehicles are OP. Snipers galore is a little annoying. But it's not fun playing it. Is it worth the money? I mean, play the open beta. I, I don't know if I'm going to buy it. But I love the World War One setting. I miss those old games, like Day of Defeat. But, you know. I want to show you guys something, too, because this is a game uh, Shu and I played a little bit over the last few days. It's a VR FPS game. Kind of tax the battlefield because I want to... Like, I can imagine a game like this. Imagine in the future we have a game like Onward, but sixty like thirty-two versus thirty-two battlefield style, but with VR like this. The video itself doesn't look too impressive, but actually playing the game, it's super realistic. You have to hold the gun, and you have to actually aim with the VR device, and it feels really responsive. And you move with the, you know, with the with your thumb basically. But oh, I sure wish I had a five. You actually have to prone if you want to. Get on the ground. You're literally on the floor sniping. That's awesome. And in order to reload, you have to literally reach into your belt, pull out your ammo pack, put it in. You want to talk to your teammates? You hit the radio on, on, on your left shoulder. And only while your hand is on the radio can your teammates actually hear you. It's hyper-realistic and a very cool concept. Uh, this is, again, a bit into the future, but imagine a game like Battlefield. You're playing 32 versus 32 with a better VR system, when, you know, better resolution. That could just be absolutely stunning. That's what I'm looking forward to. Onward meets Battlefield 1. That, that would be, be dope. That would be dope. Still waiting on Oculus Touch. Thanks a lot, Oculus. <laughs> so, ser shit. serious question. Mm -hmm. Have you tripped over the cord for the Vive at all? Uh, twice. All right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it needs to be wireless. Yes, but the, you, you can't do... The, we don't have the technology to make it wireless yet because it's such high bandwidth like, imagery slapping into your... We're not going to have wireless in them soon, but if it's wireless, it would be so much better. I don't think it's going to really take off till it becomes That's wireless eventually. Wait for wireless electricity, maybe. Yeah, I just, I just, I had to ask because every time I watch people using this, I'm sitting here like, they're going to trip. But look at those details. In order to throw the grenade, you pull the grenade out, right? And you have to pull the pin with your other hand. And when you reload, you got to like get the other bullet out of the chamber, the empty bullet. It's so realistic. Every little thing you have to do in the game. 
That's wanna, awesome. You have come if you're in Vegas one day, you'll try it out. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna come over. It's only an eight hour drive. Nice. Yeah, it's not too bad. You can make it. It's actually not too bad. After doing the after doing going cross country, eight hours is nothing. But I want to steer this a little bit more towards MMOs, and it actually ties in with Twin Saga. And Take actually, this back. We're taking it back, boys. There was actually a post on Revelation Online about their basic design concept. I know this was really, I know Gumby wrote the, I think Gumby or Matt put a news article up about it. Yeah, and the part two came out today. Yeah, part ahead. two came out today, but it really doesn't really say too much, but there's, a, I think, one or two lines in their design concept I've really liked. And again, for those unaware, Revelation Online is a, a NetEase-developed MORPG. It should be going to beta, closed beta, sometime next month in October. Here, in, in this two-part series, we'd like to share the developers' thoughts on their ideal MMO and how they led to basic design concepts of Revelation Online. Uh, to begin with, Revelation Online is an MMO, and they talk about what an MMO is, and this is where I really liked about this design concept. Really, this is, I want to focus on one paragraph, relate to uh, Twin Saga, and see what you guys think. Each MMO is like a rebirth. It's a world, a life, where you encounter a different version of yourself and others. Extraordinary MMOs must create a complete world waiting to be explored. In this world, the enjoyment comes not just from the excitement of having your senses stimulated or even having fun battling with others. What's important is that this world is a utopia that we long for, one that surpasses reality. Uh, it's a, and, and outstanding MMOs create vast and complete worlds. When you're in this world, you can't help but feel small, and thus you have a desire to explore it more. Uh, that actually struck a chord with me because this actually describes my MMO experience with games like EverQuest. Older game, yes, and, and a bit with Final Fantasy XIV. Because Final Fantasy XIV feels like a real MMO, a living, breathing, large world where you're just one small player. And you look at a game like Twin Saga, where each zone is segmented into these specific areas in the world map, and it feels not really an MMO, it just feels like an RPG. Like, do you think we'll ever have a... Like, I feel like games are going more towards Twin Saga and away from stuff like Final Fantasy XIV and uh, EverQuest, where it felt like a wide open world. Final Fantasy XIV is segmented too, to be fair. Much less so than a game like. Well, I think what they mean when they say that is it, it's not a literal thing. It's the idea. It's a. It's about again. I think the most important line is about making you feel small, and mm -hmm. that you're just this one dot on this huge world map. You're you're just kind of. I think great games make you feel inconsequential, like Eve. But um, that, that there is this vast universe waiting to be explored. Because even Eve is, mm -hmm. is segmented, right? It's a different uh, uh, zones. But, but look at the size of the zones. Look at the Twin Saga size of zones. No, no, yeah. Look the, at the Blade Twin, of the Soul so Twin size. Saga, it feels like a hub, like a hub-based game, basically, with a hub that you have to travel across. Did you guys feel any sense of, like, uniqueness or any sense of an MMO when you played even a game like Blade and Soul? A relatively recent game. I, I, I like Blade and Soul a lot. I had a lot of fun. But it didn't feel like an MMO. You had multiplayer components and RPG elements. But it didn't well, feel like an MMO. Well, I'm not convinced that Revelation is going to either. I mean, if it just funnels you along, what's the point of having this giant world if all you do is follow a right. path? Again, Re Revelation may or may not follow this design philosophy the way they laid out. But if we look at games, again, like EverQuest, FF14, even World of Warcraft. In World of Warcraft, do you guys have fun exploring zones? Like, you yeah, find little crevices. Now. Yeah, exactly. Gumby's still having fun doing it. But you can't do that in a game like Blade and Soul because it just doesn't... The world doesn't feel interesting. It doesn't feel alive. Well, again, I, well, well actually, that's that's an interesting point because I think that uh, Elder Scrolls Online is about to win in that regard with the one Tamriel patch where you can literally explore anywhere with um, without leveling. I, yeah, I, it's I all about the expansion too, but you guys are taking it too literally. It's, they, when they say world, I'm pretty sure they mean the entire 
puzzle. They mean the inner connection of all the parts of the game coming together to make a world that feels like it's breathing. Yeah, not just the zones themselves. It's it's that total in economy, the environments, player I mean, crafting, I everything. Of course, you could have a Blade and Soul stylized world that feels alive. Maybe not to everybody, but you definitely right. can do that. Can you have a game like uh, Dungeon Fighter Online or uh, any, any of those DFO and Dragons? Dragon Saga, as well. You know, there's a whole these games where you have instance, you have hub, persistent hubs and instance world. Even Hero well, Wars. But I think it's interesting. Those about aren't. Those don't feel like an. Well, not to you, but I think some people definitely do. It it comes down to, it, it comes down to a, an attraction that you have, what what you desire. But I think that what they're what they're doing when they say that is that they're creating the game, not maybe not literally, but they want to create this game that follows that general philosophy. That's the philosophy of their development. But I think a game like DFO can do that for some people. Maybe not for us, or, or maybe maybe for again, somebody again, else. Again, again, technically with the definition of MMO, you're right. I, I don't want to argue definition of MMO, but you got you you guys can relate to that that sense of bewilderment and exploration in the well, world. Of well, world. that's very I important. Think, to I me. think I think Sean's right though, because see, your idea of what defines an MMO and what feels like an MMO is purely driven by emotion. Oh, you're right, of course. But I'm oh, saying, yeah. I'm saying, don't you guys miss that though? Well, you have well, actually, uh, I mean, you can still find that today. It's just that that kind of design. I mean, we see it in the indie scene, don't we? Pantheon. Um, gosh, that's the only one I can think of right now. But there are games that are coming out that are trying to revitalize that. And, and to me, the most important. I love that sense of exploration. I think that's where you're getting yeah. like, this world that just feels like beyond my comprehension. That's awesome. You know, not some hub zone I can look left yes. to right and see the whole thing. Exploring yeah, I, I agree zones completely. Was probably the, like, I a love exploration. Remarkable feeling in World Absolutely. of Warcraft, in EverQuest, and FF14. It's the world feels alive at least. You know. And yeah, that's a th so that's a, that's a distinction we should draw because I, I played a lot of FF14. I didn't play the expansion, but what I loved at FF14 is even though it was zonal and you know these zones were kind of constrained, yeah. it, they just they had this great aesthetic and yeah. they just did a great job of just. Building the world because they force you through the entire zone, and it's not like it's not a roller coaster where you're on one track. You're constantly going back and forth. You revisit other zones, yeah. so you do get the sense that each piece leans on every other, like the dominoes, and you constantly. Even the side quests, they feel like down. you're doing something in the world, you know? Yeah, and that comes down to having a strong narrative and, and character. It's all these factors, these beautiful the crafting come everything together. Well, yeah, it's like making a movie. It's like there's so many variables that got to just work just right for it to come together. It's really hard. I, I do. Yeah. I, go ahead. I wanted to point out real quick the Revelation Online poster. I mean, it's unexpected because you know this is um, Chinese developed MMORPG. But I thought it was it, it was well done. These yeah. posts, if you haven't read them, uh, I'll put the links in the chat. And it just it's it's it shows a level of passion. I don't think they could write that if they were just trying to bullshit people. So it's pretty neat. Let me get that. I mean, I'm hoping Revelation lives up to their design philosophy because I mean the way they explained it does sound like. They get, they get it, you know. They get the core concept that I think is missing from a lot of games today. They get it. They and and in order to have that world, they do have a really cool, nifty little feature. We, again, that's been lost in a lot of games: a seamless open world. You're not going to be zoning between areas. It's just a giant zone. And I think that, that's another. It'll help them get that that living, breathing world element with that feature. We've had games like Lineage Two do it, but so many games have like loading in between areas now, and that, that kind of segments it a lot. So at least on that front, they're going to have that part figured figure out. Yeah, October, we shall find out. Um, a lot of hype around this one for some I think there's a, there's a guy on YouTube named Cry, and he makes a lot of videos for this. And mm -hmm. uh, show you off quite a bit. Yeah, it's something to get excited about. Yeah, we I'm shall hoping see. it lives up to that hype, because I, I, I've missed that feeling 
You know, FF14 is the only game that's done that recently. It, it almost seems like we can divide MMOs now into two categories. Games that focus exclusively on just the core gameplay and games that try to be MMOs. Well, you have games like Hero Wars, you have games like DFO, and even Twin Saga being in the cat that left category of, okay, it's a game, it's got the social elements, it's got the RPG stuff, and stuff that actually tried world building, and stuff like FF14, possibly Revelation Online, and so forth. But I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And almost, uh, this might even... I'll seize it again if we need to. Please, you gonna segue us? I'm you gonna, gonna segue, segue? I'm gonna segue us again. Listen, you spot the segue, you take us there. All right, all right, all right. you got the wheel. This actually describes my interesting evolution of where games are going as well. There was a post on RMORPG which piqued my interest about why raiders. Why do you raid? A serious question for someone who just doesn't get it. And he's asking why people go through the process of raiding in MMORPGs. And I would actually enjoyed raiding a lot, and I, I would do it regularly with my guild and Vanilla WoW. Though I admit now I am not nearly as hardcore raider, hardcore as I used to be in generally anything. And it almost goes back to this discussion about streamlining. And obviously you can argue whether streamlining is good or bad, but the hardcore experience still exists. I think the problem and the reason we're not seeing more of it is because people don't actually want it anymore. It's specific to raiding. Look at a game like um, Twin Saga, for example. I don't think we're gonna have extremely difficult bosses in Twin Saga. It's just not gonna happen. Well, we did have one difficult boss, didn't yeah, because we? we sucked at the beginning. But the point I'm trying to make is: Do you think raiding in MMORPGs going forward is dead? No, that post actually uh, uh, proves it. Uh, and even FF14, it, I did raiding not too long ago, and um... in new in new MMORPGs, we'll say. I think yeah. you'll still have the old guys in WoW looking for it. And I'm going to say it's dead. I'll explain why. You're, you think it's dead? I think it's dead. I, I, think, I think the the allure of raiding, the, the allure of raiding uh, being the only end game um, progression, that notion, that gameplay mechanic is dead. Now they, there's so many more avenues because they realize not everyone can raid. Mm -hmm. But I think hardcore raiding will still always be a path uh, for people that want to pursue it. Go ahead. He, this guy describes raiding as a 20-man Dark Souls. And I feel that's pretty relevant, you know? Yeah, no, that's definitely that nails it. Especially on the, on the higher end where you're doing, you know, Mythic Dungeons, the hardest dungeons in WoW. It seems accurate. But the problem is, I think, the reason I think raiding is dead in UMRPGs is because of streamlining. Too many... The genre... The gaming as a whole has almost been segmented. And games like MOBAs have almost, like, taken away, like, so much of the player base in MMORPGs because... You can get the high skill cap gameplay. Or, or, or let's go Dark Souls. If you want to have that Dark Souls experience, you can just play Dark Souls. You don't have to grind for months and months to get that Dark Souls difficulty experience. You can achieve that level of you know some level of accomplishment by getting high ranking in league or get finishing Dark Souls with artificial handicaps on yourself. You can do all that without raiding. Now it almost yeah, seems but... like we've there's there's different. If you if you want to have that hardcore raid experience. There are other ways you can get that high now without putting the obscene amount of hours into first leveling up your character, doing all this other stuff. It's almost been streamlined, I feel like. I actually, I'm, I'm going to wholeheartedly uh, disagree um, because I think you're, you're when you compare Dark Souls and raiding, see, there's something special about raiding, right? And the post goes over it. See, what's different between Dark Souls, Dark Souls is a, it's me versus the world. Mm -hmm. What makes raiding great is like it's it's something that almost seems impossible, right? To get so the last kind of raiding I did was ten man, and to get ten people 
all in sync to beat that turn three or turn four boss. I can't remember which one of the orbs was. Uh, it, when you finally accomplish that, it, there is a you know how you go to you watch a movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a scene, and it's a it's a joke, and you're by yourself, and you kind of like snicker. When you were someone else, you laugh, and you laugh out loud, and it's like yes. the emotion is charged. When you're raiding, and you have that Dark Souls like accomplishment, and there's other people you're sharing that experience with, it's a hundred times more right. important. Right. So Dark Souls there's, there's a was a bad example. There's a shared story, but even in MOBAs, yes. see the, the difference I think with MOBAs is that a MOBA games, uh, I don't know how long you would say the average say twenty to forty minutes, right? Mm-hmm. The thing about a raid is that when you're at an end game raid, you're investing weeks, weeks of time, hours of gameplay. There, there is a far bigger investment in the accomplishment of a single raid compared to a single MOBA. I could play a hundred Overwatch matches and maybe I'll get a story out of two. But when I raid, I'm trying to beat a dungeon with people <laughs> in my guild. The entire accomplishment, each step becomes the narrative. So you have a far stronger uh, connection to the to the raid compared to like right, but, a MOBA but, or but a, grinding or to max level is not really the like. I'm not talking about grinding. I'm talking like remember uh, I, I, this is like an MC thing, but remember you have to like you have to get fire pots, you get it geared up, you start yeah. out shitty and you progressively get better. But in in a, a MOBA or Overwatch match, at the end of the game, uh, everything resets. You're back but, to but if you're playing one. with a team of five friends and you always play together and you're trying to be pro, you're trying to get the highest possible ranking. Yes. that narrative evolves the same way. But my, I no, do think I, players I, I are bleeding so. into other genres, and it's hurting MRPG rating. The people that are hard, the people that are like, the people that have the level of patience and discipline to keep grinding and defeating these progressively harder and harder bosses. I mean, I want. We always talk about games getting more casual, but the, the high-end bosses in WoW today are, are just as hard, if not harder, than vanilla I think the WoW. Hardcore raiders are still raiding. I think. I but, think. But, but, he, I, I think they're, they're, still a, there. they're a dying breed. Here's the issue: Do you know anyone that's like 15 or younger that that raids? Hardcore. 15 or younger? I don't or has any interest. Oh, I'm, so you, you, I'm just going to jump in because I haven't found a good Please. spot here. You guys talk about raiding like it's something that needs to survive, but the, the problem with raiding is it's designed to be repetitive. I mean, it is by definition mean? repetitive. No, I disagree, but go ahead. You Tell me what to, you mean. You have to fight the same, like, either dungeon or boss, depending on how the game defines a raid, over and over. And over it. and over and over and over and then move on to the next one. I mean, there aren't a whole there. Are a whole, it's a dying breed because there aren't a whole lot of people that want to dedicate that much time to the single piece of content. <laughs> but but Matt, uh, mobiles like League are repetitive too by nature. You're playing the same map, and usually I'm playing the same hero every time too, right? But you're playing the same map, and the same mechanics are always there. But people but do you- it. I agree with you. Raid oh, is that's dead. a little different. That's that's different. It's a competitive game. I mean, it's with raiding. It's more like you have to progress through it. You don't progress through a competitive game. You progress in a competitive game, and then it resets. But it's not resetting at the end. So therefore, it's perceived as more of a time wasting activity because you have to go through the same content over and over to even make, take that one step towards the next piece of content. That was the, the greatest high I ever got in gaming, was doing yes, the same I, boss I again, yes, again, again, and then when we finally had the perfect, and what's beautiful about it too is when you finally get that, per, all the variables lined up, you get the perfect mixture, you beat that boss once, you always get him again too. As soon as you believe that you can get that boss, you get him again, you move on, and it's such a sense of accomplishment because you invested all this time and effort. And I think, to, to counter, I think the reason why people don't get into rating is it's really difficult uh, to find the right interpersonal relationships. It's really difficult to get nine or 19 other people together that you don't fucking hate 
and there's always that one guy who yells in the mic you just hate you tell you say howard shut up and so you give up and you move on to something else i, I, I do 100 percent agree with gumby's uh point about the high that you get in fact i want to i want to illustrate that high because actually the guy actually just you know he talks about rating he links this video saying listen the last three minutes we're gonna listen to, like the one minute of it just look at the excitement in people's voices when shit's when she, when this boss is about like as they're about to take him down. I'm dead. Let's go. Do it. Come on. Yeah, there is a good one. Seven percent. Enjoy this game. Get it. 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 Okay, the point is, there's a lot of excitement there, alright, and it's an excitement that you don't get, even when you win a game of League, I don't think you'll ever capture that level of excitement, but the problem is, all I don't think young people rate anymore, they don't want to, they want to, the games like Twin Saga are coming out because people don't want that investment in rating anymore, and the people, I, 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 I'm really curious, somebody's got to do a poll, what is the average age of a hardcore raider who's in a top-level guild in WoW that still raids? I'm really curious. I'm actually, I would go ahead and suggest they're older than you think. I think I th they're going to yeah. be in their 20s and early 30s. I think early, late 20s, early 30s. I just, I, I don't know if you, I'm curious, anybody in our chat who raids pretty seriously, if there's anyone in our chat that raids pretty seriously, how old are you guys? <laughs> See, so my my counter though, I don't think it's, again, I don't, just to sum it up so we can move on, I don't think this has anything to do with the change in mentality. I think people are just as selfish and, and desirable of instant gratification as ever. I think what happened is, is developers realized they needed to open up more avenues to end game progression. And a lot of people actually prefer not to interact with other people. They don't want that experience, so they do something else, like crafting or, or single dungeon or world quests. And so, because back in the day, you really just had... Uh, rating you didn't have all these other uh, avenues so but i think it's just that things have become so diversified that it's just kind of it now stacks up equally with everything else but I, that's my final thought okay. I, I, and then we can move on so all right my final thought uh, developers would provide more raids that people actually wanted i think because of the, the growth of games like mobas a lot of hardcore players have moved away from raiding as being their competitive thing and moved to games like dota and lee which is why we don't see too many I think because of that, ratings will keep getting diminished. I think MRPGs will still be around. I don't think MRPGs are dead, but I think rating <coughs> is going to play a smaller and smaller slice in the game. And you can still have endgame PvP and stuff, but rating, I think, is in decline, unfortunately. Even though that's some of the most fun I've had in Vanilla WoW. I just think there are other games that provide exactly yeah. more reward for less work. And I mean, even more of a rewarding feeling with arguably more challenge in some cases. Mm -hmm. It's just I mean, it's it's not a matter of raids are more challenging. It's it's a matter of raids take so much time. I mean, and, and you can if you can get that level of like, yeah, I did it from something else that takes less work. There's no point in doing the raiding. And it's just not it's not necessarily less work either. You still get the same satisfaction, and it's still like an investment of time because people that get really good in other competitive games they play thousands of hours, crazy amount of hours. But yeah, we can wrap. Time up. is the best spice for whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. more time the spicier it is but anyway uh yeah, but you take it away what are we taking it away we're gonna just uh totally jump ship i guess and we're gonna move on jump to a ship. segment i like it we're gonna go on something called interesting shit of the week well, well because... we, we, we've yet to discuss eve online there's a big news over there and you said oh, ship. I'm sorry. You look, sorry, you okay, said, i'm sorry you said ship and you get didn't take eve ship. online get back at the ship
Get back on. Okay. So, Gumby, you're fired. Gumby, get out of here. <laughs> I'm going to talk my way through through the firing. Uh, this week, <laughs> CCP announced a free-to-play tier for EVE Online. So, if you don't know how this is going to work, if you haven't been paying attention, uh, basically what's going to happen is uh, there will be a free-to-play option. Players who play as free-to-play will not have access to all the same content, and by not all the same content, mainly it's going to come down to a cap on the skills. You can train um, the opportunities you have to play, so like you won't be able to get into... I, I believe you can't get into a battleship. I think they limit you to cruisers, frigates, and whatnot, and you'll be able to do missions. And if you choose to pay a subscription, you'll be upgraded and have access to all of the content in the game. Of course, this free-to-play tier for a game that has traditionally been a subscription for about a decade now? It's been out for a long time. 13 years, I think. 13 years. Uh, there has been a, a bit of a controversy. Actually, I didn't cover this controversy, so Matt, do you want to take away what, what what's going on? Why are people so upset about this free-to-play tier? So basically, what you can do is... Um... Apparently, a lot of really low-ranking ships can get together and basically form a gang squad, and people are worried that people are going to multi-box and form gang squads and grief people. Oh, that's that um, could definitely happen. They're um, they're also worried about uh, a lot of people are obviously like worried about the economy and stuff like that, mm -hmm. and I mean like how this is going to affect it if there are all these people coming in and doing this. Um, I'm concerned personally about whether or not you're going to be able to buy Plex as a free user or not, or if they're going to force you to actually pay for it. Um, I would be very see. surprised if they don't allow free-to-play users to buy Plex, because uh, if you don't know, EVE Online, basically, you can buy an in-game item that allows you to uh, pay for the subscription. So say uh, if you were rich enough, you would never actually have to pay the 15 a month. You could just uh, farm up the gold or... Uh, however you want to put it, to buy Plex and then pay for your subscription that way. And you're buying it from other players, right? Who is it like the gold system in WoW? I'm pretty sure you're buying it on the market. I've actually never bought Plex myself because I, I was never rich enough. But you, are you buying it from a seller, a player in the game who paid $15 and he got the Plex and he's selling it to you? Because that's how it works in WoW, I'm pretty sure. And then... Um, pretty sure. All right. Like another concern about the market is, like it says here, um, the free-to-play players, like, people are going to return to do free-to-play, right? Mm -hmm. And when they reclaim their quote-unquote enormous amount of assets, people are worried about what's going to happen then. There's the new player experience is apparently terrible in a lot of people. Absolutely. Minds. Always has been. And uh, if you're going free-to-play, obviously you need a better new player experience. You, yes. People are going to leave if it's not good. I mean, it's free. There was no investment. So they're just going to kick it off their computer and leave. I mean, you really have to counter that somehow. Um, and then there's also the issue of like combat alts and wormhole scouts, and I get that. I mean, nobody wants the guy multiboxing over here, even if it's on a different computer and they're not technically multiboxing. You know what I mean? They're just mm -hmm. sitting here with a different computer using a scout that is like dispensable. You know? Yeah. To go and like scout out the enemy and or being on the opposite faction. And checking in on their faction, you know, for, with a free account that's dispensable. And if they get killed or they get found out, whatever, it was free, right? You make another one, yeah. There's, there's no cost. I mean, th there's literally no limit to the amount of issues that it could cause. And I really respect CCP's answer that they're just kind of like, you know what? We're working on it. When we get there, we'll figure it out. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like... Honest answer. They, they don't know. Like, it's... 
there's no way to predict how this is actually going to affect things in practice. And no matter how many things can happen, you can't say that they will because you can't predict how many people are going to do it, like what's going to happen. Like you just can't. Also, keep in mind, all these problems can only affect the free server, though, because you still have the paid server, right? The alpha clone. That's no, 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 no. That's not how it works. What, ha what happens is, uh, so basically, EVE Online's lore is that no one ever dies because there's clones. So everyone's still in the same universe. What happens is you just have access to different clones, uh, alpha clones and omega clones. But everyone's going to still be on the same server. There's always oh, one okay. online server. <laughs> okay. No, there are two EVE Online servers. What? what there are two. There's China. China is a separate server. Oh, okay, fine. There's China. <laughs> I don't think anybody in our audience is playing on the Chinese server. Maybe, Interesting. Maybe. No, so you're right. It, it, it can have serious impacts on the actual game. But surprisingly, and, it's been pretty well received. If you look at the original announcement video, most players on, at least people on YouTube, have, have not, you know, bombarded with down votes. When, when things go awry, the first thing that, that happens is the announcement video always gets bombarded yes. with dislikes. So the reception is actually not as bad. You know, there are there are issues that could arise, but because nothing bad has happened yet, it seems like people are on board with this. I just, I, yeah. What what was it that Sean responded with the other day? It's like leave it to Eve Online players to figure out how to do this in twenty four hours. <laughs> oh, that's the thing. Yeah, Eve Online is a game that's been you know the reason why I started playing was a a, a story about espionage. Somebody infiltrated another corporation, stole all their stuff, and killed the leader. And it was an insane story. Yeah, Eve Online is notorious for scamming and whatnot, and that's part of the allure of the game. Uh, one thing I will say is. This is what I the way I look at this is it's totally going to benefit people that already play because as you said the new player experience I mean it doesn't really exist it's no, but, Eve is a brutal game but, but let's be real they they did this to get new players this is the rationale behind it. I think they they will get new players but it's not going to be this huge influx that say like a more traditional fantasy MMORPG might get if they went for the play yes but even online is, is an attraction I think they want to get back returning players like I'm going to install it and I'm going to yes. see if I want to play. I think I think part is getting returning players. That's important to you, right? And um, and then get like this the minority that would actually want to play that never did because of the subscription. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's. I mean, I don't. Assuming it doesn't screw up the the balance of the world, I think it's a great move. I mean, that's I a big know. if. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I've considered since it's only two months away now, um, paying to see if I'd want to continue playing afterwards, like playing casually and paying mm -hmm. for a little bit. And then maybe stopping pain when it goes free to play. You know, yeah. I've considered it. I've really seriously considered that. I think Have you ever played Eve Online? I, I've played it once or twice, but never in a serious capacity. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's you know, it's serious capacity. Eve is it's sitting in a team chat while one guy yells at you in a fleet. It's actually <laughs> kind of fun. It's pretty so, fun. Everyone really gets I, I into just, it. I'm really interested in the citadels. I mean, the Citadels are really kind of a game changer for EVE. And I mean, a game changer in terms of how I view EVE. I mean, the mm. fact that you can have like a permanent residence, even if it's not like an actual home, you know what I mean? It just, that's cool to me. You better start grinding now if you want to have your own Citadel. Guys, guys, I know and you guys say I wanted to have my own. <laughs> I'm just saying. I remember you guys were giving me, I think, shit a couple, maybe Altai was giving me some shit a couple weeks ago. We talked about, I, I still kept saying free to play is only going to get bigger and bigger. And then I think Matt and Altai were saying developers will choose buy to play over free to play. Uh, we're seeing more and more games still embracing free to play. Like well, Eve name someone else besides Eve Online. Eve this on isn't. I wouldn't call this free to play. No, this is a, a trial. Unfair. Yeah, this is this is supposed to be a trial. Okay, look, look. They're they're calling it free to play. We're calling it free to play. All right. Free they're calling play it free to play because it's a marketing thing. Okay, but listen, we have other games too. Let me see what else I had written down over here. They also didn't try. call it free to play. They called it Clone States, even though it's a free to play. 
You they they were like, careful about their wording. I called it free to play. You had a game like Atlas Reactor 2, which also added a free to play mode. So again, another game that started as buy to play, and it went. Well, actually, that started as free to play, and then it went buy to play, play, and then and it went, then it went free to play. Yeah. So I think more and more games are still going to embrace this. I mean, free to play is. We've had I think only only a handful of games have reverted from free to play to buy to play, and really. There was one arc. The arc survival the fittest got folded back into arc survival evolved, but that's not. I mean, I still see free to play going bigger and bigger. I, honestly, this lets me speculate. There's a relation. I think. I think Overwatch is going to go free to play. No. Mm. No. Here's why. Not, not anytime soon. Not uh, with one year. One year to go free to play. You know that your one year on Black Desert's coming up, right? Is it really? No, it's nice. I still got plenty of time. Yeah. I got yeah, plenty of time. I got like four or five months. I got like four or five months at least. Anyway, the reason I'm saying Overwatch will go free to play as well is they kind of pigeonhole themselves. Here's why. Why? Can, games like Call of Duty, for example, the buy to play Call of Duty console games and PC games can keep making money with DLC because they cost money, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem with Overwatch is they specifically promised that new heroes will not cost money. They cannot sell new heroes to make money. So, how can, let's say one year from now, Let's be real. One year from now, new people aren't going to be buying Overwatch. You're going to have a big established player base. It sold already like $500 million worth of games. New people aren't going to buy it. Where do they make their money? To get everyone else. Loot crates. Yes, loot crates, but... I think they're going to... I think just like with the Olympics, because I, I know many people who bought those Olympic loot crate things. Wait. I think that they, they're going to milk that for a long time. You're right, time. But, but then what do they lose by going free-to-play? Now they have more people buying more loot crates. From a business standpoint, if they're not getting more regular sales, which you could if you had DLC, but if they have DLC, they can't sell new heroes. So, what, they can sell maps? They could throw I, off the I entire balance. Maybe it's just me, but with how big Overwatch has already been, it's hard to see them having a significant boost by going free-to-play. I think, I think it'd be a big boost. I, I know people that don't play because it costs money. But, I, wait, I just what can't they lose? see it being significant, you know what I mean? Okay, but what do they lose? One year from now, what do they sales lose? are a trickle. Tr- sales are a trickle. They lose a lot of goodwill. Why? Like a lot. Well, would you feel like you got robbed if they went free to play one year from now? I wouldn't. I, okay, would that's I not fair because I'm like, I'm, I'm, out of all of us, okay. I get the least angry about crap. That it's not fair to ask me that question. Okay, fine, Gumby. If Overwatch yes. in one year goes free to play, do you feel like you lost anything? Besides, there's more people playing, you have a bigger community. Okay, that's not fair because you're saying it lost it. There's a difference between feeling like you lost something and like you're mad about it. Okay, are you mad about it? I guess my main worry, uh, there there's consequences to free-to-play. Number one would be monetization, which I wouldn't worry about. Number two would be hackers. Hackers uh, would be the only problem. But the, but the, thing, I, that, the thing about hackers is... Being buy to play has not stopped legions of hackers in CSGO. No, that's correct. Legions. Um, I don't. The one thing about Overwatch uh, is even if it was free to play, I'm not sure if once that initial hype rush was over, if the player base would be bolstered too much. Um, I think it would help. I think it would help, but it would be. I don't think it would be as big as, as you're making it out to. But the problem is, what the, the ultimately question is, okay, we can. It's a big question mark. You don't know what is the what is the consequence what of is them the consequence going free to play? Free to play? I mean, the only consequence is good monetization. But if their monetization already has loot crates, then I don't and you have skins the loot and shit like yeah. that. Then I'm not sure what the other consequence is, other than they got to buy more servers. 
I, I, I don't know. That's it, really. I, I really think they're going to lose a lot more goodwill than you think. I mean, like, if people are mad about the paid ARC expansion, they can be mad that their game that they paid $60 for or 40 on PC. Yeah, that is one thing, right? A, a game that's buy to play initially, yeah, you give them uh, you give an special items or special some item. shit. Yeah, yeah but that go. never works. That never works. They're, that never works. They but, never feel like they're compensated properly. But here's the thing, too. If it goes free to play in like three weeks, yeah, you're right. Everyone's pissed off. Why'd I pay money for this? But in a year, I don't know. People I, I, those were people... still pissed. Or at the time that, um, shit, what's. I, I just don't see people getting that upset over it. I think it should be in. From, from Blizzard, for, for, let people get pissed off. Pretend they lose goodwill, right? From a business standpoint, Blizzard, if they're not getting regular sales, which they can't unless they get new DLC or something, which I would screw up the matchmaking if, if some players have certain match, other players don't. You segment the player base. If they can get away with selling DLC, it's never going to go free to play. Calling it never. I think, but that's they could, if they can get away with that. They could go free to play one day, right? But as long as this buy to play model works, it's a big like. When the sales it, stop, they'll oh, stop. It, it's a big, it's a big like, yeah, we're Blizzard. We made a buy to play game. Fuck you. Look at all this money we made. We're a good company. Buy our stock. I think it just, by keeping it buy to play for now, if they're making money, it just shows that we're Blizzard. Look at us. We can go buy to play in this market that demands free to play for most products. And we can be very, very successful. And I think for right now, that's, that's a big part of it is it's just Blizzard kind of flexing their muscles because they made a great game. I mean, I love Overwatch, right? It's a great, mm. to me, it was totally worth the money. Um, it, now down the road, if it started doing poorly, sure, I could see why not go free to play. But I don't. They, they can't do it. I don't think it would be a good decision until the game until they had something else they were coming out with that became their new top product. We'll go. We'll go in circles, but uh, yeah, we're going in circles. We're going we'll in circles. We're going to we'll change topics. But interesting enough, you know, we we talk about cosmetics in games, right? And somebody made a pretty recently on one of the one of my YouTube videos. Somebody made a pretty passionate comment about. Cash oh, shops. I mean, we've all talked about cash shops, this pay to win stuff. And it comes out, and it also it actually kind of hooks up with a, a recent monetization controversy this week, which was, which was the the post about Rift. The newest Rift expansion is going to cost money. So who posted it? It is. Up? You want... That was Matt. I want to point to Matt. Okay, so yeah, um, basically the new Rift expansion is going to cost money, and. I actually didn't know this, but the last Rift expansion, what happened was there are a lot of infamous microtransactions from the last expansion, like, um, uh, what was it? The earring slot, yes. you know? And it was considered pay to win because you couldn't have the earring slot unless you paid for that microtransaction. They had stats. Well, if they hadn't had the microtransaction, turns out that the earring slot would have been exclusive to people that bought the expansion because the expansion. In trying to figure out the best model for a free-to-play game in terms of expansions, they broke the expansion up into multiple microtransactions so that people could buy only exactly what they needed to play exactly when they needed, instead of buying the entire expansion at once. Obviously, this didn't work, and people got pissed off. Mm -hmm. But the thing that's funny, they had said in the announcement, basically, right, that... Um, most of the core Rift players bought the microtransactions anyways. Like, the core Rift players bought them anyways, even though people were pissed about it. And I, I think it may have been... And it's always the casuals, right, that make more of a fuss about everything. But, I mean, I, I think it really was more of a case of the casuals this time. But um, with this new one, people are mad because the entire thing 
is basically like it's you have to pay once right you pay once for the expansion you get everything but people are pissed because you have to pay for it because it's a free-to-play game that previously had a free-to-play expansion technically mm-hmm. well i mean i'm confused as to why people are pissed it didn't work the other way they got pissed it's not going to work this way i mean but the thing is it's an expansion i mean when you look at other smaller free-to-play games you look at them and you see smaller expansions and i think the reason for that is in they're packed okay so you see smaller expansions and they're packed with like all sorts of cosmetics and other like cash off items and the reason i think that is now reading this is that they have to make up the money somehow and if they can't sell the content and they can't sell like new gear that's introduced with it like a slot for it or something they have to make it up with other cash shop items all right it's this brings up i think a bigger issue which i think we should discuss like, as you mentioned, they're having they're having issues monetizing the content. It, it clearly costs money to make Rift Starfall, any expansion pack, right? They have a development team. They got to go out of their way and keep working on this new content. They got to pay the salaries. It costs money. What is the best way to recoup that money? And can they recoup it without doing some kind of that? Then either you have to charge money up front or you sell some pay-to-win stuff like that earring. Is there a middle ground where they can make money without a cash shop? And the more I look at games and scott hartman explanation for this particular thing it seems like no it's like people complain about pay to win and rightfully so but that seems to be the only way for them to make money i mean you have games like Terra, which have done a great job right but that seems to be like one of the only and, and path of exile which has done great with their <coughs> model but what is the best way for mrpgs to monetize can they charge money for expansion should free-to-play games charge money for expansions should we allow uh, I, some level of pay to win? I think it's fair to charge for expansions. I mean, because if everybody can get the same advantages for one low price, you know, like regular price, I should say, not low price. I mean, low compared to like Chinese browser games, but regular price, I think that's fair. I personally think that's fair. And I mean, I, I don't see why it's a problem to pay for expansions in a game that you're not paying for, but people complain about pay like don't okay people complain about paying for an expansion here but they don't complain about paying for expansions as well i, I almost said it backwards yeah. but um I, I don't get why that's a thing like why is it okay to pay for more in a game you're already paying for but it's not okay to pay for more in a game you're not paying for it's weird right yeah i think you're pointing to something really funny and uh i think you brought it up earlier in that when these things happen this whole riff thing and i don't know if i'm leaving the point but it seems to me that the people complaining about this aren't the ones playing the game. I think, and I'm curious, you know, no, you're when right. something, you're when right. this happens, right? If the player base doesn't care and they're willing to do it, then does it fucking matter? I mean, the player base is dedicated to the game. They they want to buy the expansion. This is their game. They're going to play it. But mm-hmm. it seems like the people who bitch are the ones who just love to bitch. And I always wonder what percentage of people that play are the ones complaining or upset with a decision that's made by a developer. And I, I'm, I'm inclined to imagine that, one, it's either really small or it's just people who like to complain on forums because that's how they spend their day. But that might be going to another point, you know, But because I see it every day. But, uh, yeah, um, I don't see too much of an issue with it either. And I think Matt's drawing a, a great point. It's this funny dichotomy 
uh, where we look at a free-to-play game and it's like there's this sense that it better always be free-to-play, you know, always. And, and then you look at, wow, it's a subscription, you pay yeah. for expansions, and it's like, oh, that's okay, I'll pay 60 bucks and I'll pay 15 a month. And that's cool, you know, whatever. I really, jump, it, it, oh, fun mentality, sorry, go on. I want to jump in because a few people have already seen sell cosmetics, make money hand over fist, like FF14, Path of Exile, and Star Wars Old Republic. First of all, FF14, they have a subscription. Star Wars mm -hmm. Old Republic is basically a free trial, and in order to unlock it, basically the game, you have to pay for it, right? So those and games Final are... Fantasy XIV, you also have to pay for expansions. That's an important... Yes. So I actually do think, Matt's the, the solution of paying for expansions, I, I even in a free-to-play game, it seems kind of off, but I think that's the only way to get expansions. But then again, without a pay-to-win yeah. cash up or something. Yeah, without a, without a pay-to-win cash. And here's why: people that say just sell cosmetics, I feel like I was on that boat for a long time. Just sell cosmetics, do it like League, do it like Terra. But here's the issue: they don't make enough money, and there's data supporting this. Take a look at this old article from C, uh, from uh, Super Data Research. It looks at average revenue per paying user for major free-to-play games. I'll bring up the other right here. These are these are what each user is worth to the game company. World of Tanks, they're monetizing at 451. And if we go to the bottom of the list, we have games like Dota 2 and League of Legends. Games that exclusively <laughs> monetize through cosmetics. Dota 2 is free to play. It's not an RPG, right? But it's in order to make money, it's a free to play game. They sell cosmetics. They make a dollar fifty-four. That's not a lot of money. So the games the games that make the least money are the ones that just sell cosmetics. And the reason they can get away with that is because they have such a giant player base. Enormous. They they, they don't have to make Three dollars per player. They can make a dollar fifty per player or less and still be viable businesses. And I, I'm I'm highlighting Dota because League of Legends actually makes less, but they also make money for people buying uh, heroes in the game. But League makes a dollar thirty-two per player, which is the least on this list. Uh, the only, unfortunately, the only MRPG they bothered they include on this list was Guild Wars Two, and average revenue per user is higher. And that could also uh, be because they're selling expansion packs too. But they clearly the games that just do cosmetics. I don't think there's enough money in just selling cosmetics. Unless you price the cosmetics high and there's a balance, you can make it happen, right? Like, Blade and Soul, people complaining about high-priced cosmetics. Honestly, though, you don't have to buy the cosmetic. It literally adds nothing to the game besides your appearance. So I, I, want the, I want the companies for the games I play to make money. Ideally, in a fair way, because I don't want pay to win in the game. But I feel like either we have to swallow high-priced cosmetics, and even that probably won't work half the time, or we have to be okay with paying for expansions in some way otherwise we're going to get we're going to get pay to win it seems and, and i mean um I, I think it's important to note that this average revenue per pay per user i mean the highest is 4.5 dollars which is literally one-sixth of the cosmetics in black desert the average cosmetic one-sixth of one cosmetic because is, so many people don't pay that's why yeah, it's just it's it's important to note that like they make that little, even with these expensive yeah. cosmetics. Because so many people don't pay at all, and it's of course they got whales that spend so much money too. I'm, I kind of wish we saw numbers for games like other MMORPGs, but if you want to see that full list of uh, average revenue per like game, you got to pay them, like three thousand dollars. It's, it's too much. <laughs> so I, I ain't gonna pay Super Data their giant fee to see all the data, but and we can only, uh, yeah. And I mean, there's this misconception that free players also cost nothing, but the reality is that they cost bandwidth. They cost oh, more that servers, bandwidth is depending. nothing. I don't buy. I, but I they cost that. more servers if you have enough of them. I mean, like if the if servers you, don't cost anything, in the grand scheme of the development cost, one employee. Cost or, 
I mean, one the, the, cost... the, the salary for one custom support employee is more than like a small, like a medium sized, like Twin Sagas. Every game is Twin Saga server cost. There's just a hardware cost, it's nothing. But I mean, it, it does cost. That's the thing. Yes, there is a cost, of course. I kind of wish we had more data on here, but this is all we have. But yeah, it's, I think, it just feels weird to pay money for a uh, free to play games, like expansion pack. Because otherwise, it feels like, when usually when expansion camps come out, if you if it's a free to play game and you're enjoying the game, you get all the content, and all of a sudden, because I feel like you can get through most of the game without paying, but then you hit that expansion pack and I feel like you have to buy it then. So it depends what they include the expansion to, and I'd be okay with it or not. But yeah, that's that's Rift. It's, it's funny too. Rift started as a subscription based uh, MMORPG, and it went free to play, and now there's a buy to play uh, expansion. They're literally they're literally hitting everything. Which is pretty yeah, funny. I mean, th this is just all supposition, but like people like to give Tryon crap. But w what I see when I look at Tryon is like a company of people that are just people that aren't trying to be super professional and maybe don't have a handle on what they're going to do at all times. You know what I mean? Mm. I mean, like there are a lot of really poor responses from Tryon. I mean, there, there's no doubt about it, but I don't ever see anything malicious like people are trying to pin on them, you know? Mm hmm. Company doesn't make money. We have, to, we, have to, we have to, you know, realize that games are a business. Okay, these guys are not out there for charity. If the money's not coming, the servers are going off. That's unfortunate. The unfortunate reality of it. Which, speaking of which, servers going off. I'm going to transition us. For I like once, it. Okay? I like it. So, uh, there are two games that were announced to be shutting down today. Two. Okay, so both by WebZen. WebZen is cleaning house, and they're getting rid of. Both Eloa and Asta. Quick. Both of, them. Both of them are less than a year old, aren't they? Yeah. Um, Asta officially launched in... November 17th of last year. Oh, that's Eloa. I don't know about Asta. No, Eloa officially launched November 17th, and Asta launched on March 2nd. That's it. It officially launched on March 2nd. So, I mean, what it looks like is they publish these older games, and they just, like... Oh, man, they just clean house all of a sudden. I mean, they must be getting ready for Move Legend to start launching or something. I have no idea. If these games shut down, they're not going to have too many active games right now. Let's see what they have. What, what website is going on right now? I mean, Move before... Online, Continent of the Ninth Seal, Fly for Fun. Mm -hmm. It's remarkable that, yeah, a game like Fly for Fun can still exist because it's got, I guess, a core audience from forever ago. It's an older game, but it still survives. Moo... Again, let's not underestimate Moo Online. Moo. It makes we looked at their earnings report for WebZen. I think a few like at least like six seven podcasts ago. Mu Online is WebZen. You look at their revenue, like eighty percent of WebZen's revenue and profits come from one game, Mu Online. Everything else is a rounding error. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, that's I mean, pretty nuts. That's what that is. Mm -hmm. I think it didn't help that they took on a bunch of G Potato games when G Potato shut down. I mean, they they really do have a lot running in the West, and they have like one game that's making them money at all. But they're trying to use the revenue they make from Moo Online to diversify and hoping one of these games hits, you know? And Asta and Eloa were clearly not the hits. It just didn't... I mean, what else can they do? If you're WebZen, uh, Matt, you make all this money from Moo Online and you know one day Moo Online is going to shut... One day Moo Online will lose its luster, you know? No, I know. Yeah. I, I, I know I know why they're doing it. It's just... It's pretty obvious that it's not working. Yeah, I mean... They didn't pick great games, I guess, but it's funny because LOL launched because there was In Spirit Online in the West, right? It was a private server, 
And in order to shut down the private server, they launched the official version. And the it makes official you wonder version, if they yeah. rushed it. Maybe. But they I, rushed it to counter in Spirit Online. I don't and, think either Eloa or, in, or Eloa or uh, Asta were doing particularly well in Korea. I mean, I I tried Asta. Honestly, Asta just felt like a bad WoW clone. I know some people like Asta, so I you know, it was it just felt like I'd rather play WoW, and it, it's trying to copy the similar aesthetic. Obviously, it's not the same game. It just I I, I would advise them from the get go. This is not going to work. All right, but then again. I, I'm, I would have been wrong about a lot of games like League of Angels, you know? Who would have known League of Angels can make 200, 5,000 servers and they'd all be full? But it's just rest of pepperoni, Asta Online, and I, Eloa. The really unfortunate thing about Asta is they said in a statement that the developer was really, like, dedicated to making it work in the West, but mm-hmm. it didn't work out. Didn't Asta already shut down in Asia? Was it one of those games where it shuts down in Asia and then they tried launching in America? Yeah, but uh, like I said, the developer was still motivated in terms of getting it to work in the West. It's just, I don't think it worked out in the first place. I mean, it didn't work in Asia, it didn't work here, so clearly Asian WoW is not something that's going to work. But when a game shuts down its home market, it's just not a good sign. You know at that point it's got such a low chance of success if it's already... like It already shut down in Korea before they even launched in America. That's just, that's, 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 that's rough. <laughs> Shit. What's it? Yeah, bless. Didn't bless online have issues in Korea too? Yeah, uh, bless online went into a hiatus for a while to redevelop most of the game's systems, uh, but it just had a closed beta test. So, progress. Uh, progress is being made. And I, I mean, I, I really do think that In Spirit launching first really did negatively affect Eloa because, I mean, it got a lot of attention. I mean, it had giveaways and everything. It was so legit looking it wasn't even funny mm-hmm. and yet people couldn't get out of the tutorial sometimes and i think it left a really bad impression uh, that's true though i doubt it would still be doing well no uh, i doubt it would be doing well but it might still be online if maybe speaking of games that are were speculated to be shut down peria chronicles oh baby peria, peria chronicles. chronicles is not dead it was missing a while ago from um, Nexon. It's published by Nexon. Yeah, Nexon's yeah. financial report. Uh, basically, their outline for the coming year. There was no Peria Chronicles, so people speculated it was dead in the water. But uh, in a recent uh, press release, I believe, with ThingSoft, the developer behind the game, it's alive. However, they're returning to square one. I'm pretty sure they're redeveloping the game from the ground up. So we probably won't hear about it for a while. A long time. To be honest. Well, no. I I mean, it was gone for two years. I think they redeveloped it in that time. Apparently, they just recently opened a new Facebook account. So Uh, my guess is 2018 release. I I, I don't think think it's coming out in 2017. I don't think so either. At least 2018. That's Korea. In America, forget about it. Not for 2019. America. It's going to be quite a while. Uh, The fact that it was just there was no talk about it next on it all says to me that there's no... They don't want to. They don't want to put it out there. Uh, that means there's no expectation for the coming year. But at least it's not dead. I actually think this game has a great uh, look. I think that's what attracted most people. It's just the look of it, the uh, the artwork and the aesthetic of it. The, it's just anime as hell. So yeah, still still alive. The cool thing about Peri, I'm, I'm going to show the trailer again in a second. But they they were have they were trying to make a game actually a little bit different. 
they were trying to like have it says give players almost gym like powers in creating content. But players will be able to edit their own UI, create their own UI, make player made dungeons. They have the players have an actual <laughs> impact on the world, and they want to like it, it's it's not trying to be another cookie cutter MMORPG because again, I'm gonna bring up Twin Saga. I guarantee you that it's being redeveloped because none of that worked. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, percent yeah, sure. I wouldn't expect any of it. Well, maybe well, the dungeons thing. I don't want another quick cutter RPG, and that's why Perrier Chronicles sounded really cool, and the art style seemed really cool. Look how beautiful this game looks. Absolutely gorgeous, I think. Just the art style was beautiful too, but having those mechanics would help differentiate it, I think. And we we have we have so many quick cutter RPGs, and Twin Saga is just another one of them. It's a it's a pretty solid one, but we've had enough of quick cutter RPGs, I think that I want to see companies do more crazy things. And these guys were going to, and now it's being redeveloped. And what Matt said is probably true, it's because none of this stuff worked. Otherwise, they would have released it. But I'm hoping they, they stick with that goal. And, and I mean, I, I had I had hopes one time, too, for Lime Odyssey to create a not-cookie-cutter anime RPG. Mm -hmm. And it didn't work. It died. Rest in pepperoni. This is a gorgeous trailer, though. Yeah, absolutely. Even the uh, combat sequence looks really fluid. Okay, so speculation on when this is going to come out. I say 2019. I'm sticking to 2019. I say uh, end of 2017. Wow. Uh, I this, say this we hear right about the, the first closed beta in March 2018. Wow, specific to March. All right, all right. March. Yeah, I'm a, I, I say 2019. I'm the game is going to be playable. Okay, that's fair. Man, in America or like, Korea? It's a good America, question. In America. No, no, fine. Korea, Korea, Korea. Korea. Okay. So in in. Look in, at this uh, stuff, so cool. Two years. It looks gorgeous. Rest in pepperoni. I mean, it, it, I'm glad that it's not dead, okay? So I don't want to say rest in peace, but I'm glad it's not dead. It is being redeveloped, which makes us think it didn't work before. Speaking of... Speaking of, because uh, we got to get out of this, did you have an email to discuss with oh, us? Oh, I had a pretty funny email. This is, uh, I thought it was a little bit silly. It's, I'm going to go and show it to you guys. Basically, I, I got a company called Ragev. They actually send them indie game stuff to me. No, that's week. a name. That's not a company. It's, it's a company. That's a name. It's a name. Okay. The company get, is Blackshell Media. Okay, we get stuff from Blackshell Media. And one of the. It's Ragev now. It's Ragev now. <laughs> they sent us an email. For an indie game, I, I usually give these, they give away the, these codes to me to try out these indie games, and I usually give them away on stream. But this time they're advertising a game called uh, Saturday Night Heroes. And what's funny about this email is um, the header for this email, first of all, it's a wrestling game, it has nothing to do with MMOs, but I just thought it was kind of silly because um, in the email header, it said it's made by people that worked on FF14 and League of Legends. I'm like, wow, we got some League of Legends ex developers or something working on a new game. What could it be? And I click on the email. And I find this wrestling game. I'm like, what the hell is this? And you scroll down and you see, oh man, our team worked on League of Legends. They worked on FF11, all these high profile games. And this makes me always think like, that means absolutely nothing because what they, what they, what the company behind this, uh, this wrestling game probably ended up doing was they hired like one customer support guy who worked at League of Legends and they so they can slap made by the people that worked on League of Legends on the title, on the email header, on their promotional material, and they wouldn't technically be lying, but it just seems kind of silly that they do that. Why not? I love this stuff. You know, use your resources. This is fun to me. Resources? This is kind of, uh, it's kind of shady. Actually, the game has a great, uh, Kickstarter, uh, trailer. 
<laughs> it won't be funny if you're just um, if you're just playing it, but it's basically a C-roll home movie wrestling compilation. I'm highlighting that from the team who has worked on games such as League of Legends, The Sims, and Final Fantasy, launches Saturday night nights. Saturday nights on Kickstarter. It just it's. it's you want to use the word disingenuous? I think that's a bit just disingenuous. I hate when games do that. Like, you can't say, oh, we have guys that worked on League of Legends, unless you have, like, a lead developer. And then, and then you, can, you can say that, and it'll have meaning. But, like, they don't even clarify, okay, who is the guy that worked on League of Legends, and who is he? Let's see the Kickstarter page. Maybe it's clarified over there. You guys know how much I love Kickstarter. Love Kickstarter. Could be the guy who delivers pizza there. Yeah, maybe. I, I googled League and I can't even find the single League of Legends reference on who the developer was. So again, they, they, they clearly didn't even bother to put the guy's name down. Unfortunate, but I, I just thought it was kind of silly. And I want to steer something back to data real quick too, because there's actually a um, slight throwback to Overwatch again. Uh, if you look at the game metrics, our, our, our number one source here for Korean gaming data, League of Le uh, Overwatch is back on top. Oh, it is. By a huge margin. Oh, because of season two. I, oh, I said it. Gumby, I Gumby, said it. Gumby said I was, it. Gumby yes, was right. Gumby was I right. I knew it. Okay. It was the seasons. Blizzard, you morons. You can't have that much of a delay. <laughs> All right, Gumby. Uh, I want to ask you a serious question. Yeah, go ahead. How does it feel to be right once in your life? For, for the first time in your life? Oh, man. My, my nipples are so hard right now. I can't. But yeah, no. I, I, I knew it was because... Blizzard had this delay between seasons because you know what? I didn't want to play Overwatch. Quick play blows. It was just boring. But now that the season's back, I'm playing Overwatch again. I can't what? believe it. Because actually, uh, just by the way, to clarify, when we said League was back on top, um, it wasn't by a lot. It was about, by what, like a couple thousand players? A couple um, percentage points. We can leave it at that. Fine. But it, it really wasn't, you know, it wasn't enough to say it's like trumping Overwatch. There, it's... And here's it. Here's it is. You know, Overwatch is still you know wildly successful. I don't see it going free to play anytime soon. Cool. Yeah, it's back. So, do you think? So, I think this question we didn't really talk about this. Do you think that delays between competitive seasons? Because I, I I brought it up before. I think competitive play in Overwatch kind of killed quick play. Quick play is for the new player experience, and now if you really want to play the game as a team-oriented game, you need to play that competitive. Um, and it shows when you don't have access to that competitive mode, no one, want, no one they don't want to play your game. Yeah, I, I think it's a no-brainer. The data proves that people want to play competitive. People I know that that stopped playing Overwatch are already coming back, like pretty quickly. And we have another super data article I wanted to mention too. I think you put up the article on this company. The state of the worldwide MMOs market in July. Any surprises yeah. here for you guys? Do you guys see any surprises here? Maybe. I actually thought uh, the most interesting thing here was something I believe Erhong brought up, which is that uh, many companies, many developers and publishers, they struggle to fund their esports tournaments. But Valve, Valve is just ahead of the curve. Uh, selling uh, you know i don't compendium, know enough about called. dota 2 so you correct me but they, what is it called it's called the compendium it's a basically 25 percent of the sales of this item go towards a prize pool right and they almost completely funded their prize pool for the international 20, 20 by selling, selling this these items and I, I don't understand why no one else is doing this because um, there was some research a while ago that showed most companies lose out funding esport tournaments but not valve they're, they're making a, a good profit here they're, at least they're they're meeting ends meet 
So I thought that was interesting to see that confirmed. Uh, and I imagine more company that you'll see someone like Wargaming sell exclusive items to fund some type of esports tournament. I think if you look at the the and the F2P MO list again, their definition of most pretty broad include league and shooters and stuff too, like ours. Uh, Dota 2 is actually one, two, three, four, five on that list. If you look at our data, Dota 2 was number eight last year. So it looks like um, if you look at these are the highest grossing MMOs and MRPGs. We had Hearthstone number ten, and as we go down the list, Dota 2 has moved up considerably on the list. They made uh, about they made two hundred thirty-eight million dollars last year. We don't know the exact number right now, but they're leading in twenty sixteen, and they're number five. And of course, DFO is still sitting comfortably at the number three spot. I think if you look at our list. We have DFO again on the number three spot. For again, for those that don't know, DFO uh, last year made more money than World of Warcraft. That will not be the same story this year because they're going to sell a shit ton of expansion packs for Legion, and people are going to come back for Legion as they already are. But last year, DFO made more money than World of Warcraft, and maybe after the hype dies down again for World of Warcraft, maybe DFO will come out on top again too. As you're looking at this chart, I do have a few surprises here. One, I can't believe CSGO is still selling as well as it is. Uh, number two on PC there. Uh, or is that just player base? Am I wrong? No, these the should, should probably just be sales. That's nuts because that came out in, what, 2010? Mm -hmm. Is this just hackers buying new accounts? And also the Division is still up there on console because the Division came out a couple months ago. And this yeah. is data for July. So, And the Division was plagued with issues and controversy. So, uh, you know what? I guess... It's not enough to, to get people to stop playing the game. So I'm just confused as why they list Terra. They've always done this. I, I don't know the rationale. Why Terra is listed as a pay-to-play MMO? Uh, that's, that's right. I didn't even see that. You're right. But for whatever reason, it registers on their list as number five. So Terra is still bringing in money. I mean, they have an, the player base on Terra has been in decline. Uh, they've, they, they're doing some server mergers in the West. However, they're still bringing in money. So I don't understand how, because if on Steam, it must be the independent client. Steam current players right now is twenty four ninety, which is you know nothing. So no, twenty four ninety is not nothing. It's it's respectable to, player to make the amount of money needed to be number five on the pay to play MMO list seems odd, considering it's sitting underneath Star Wars: The Old Republic, Lineage One, WoW. I, mean, I just how many people play WoW now? I would guess over five million, and you tell me Terra is. Number five on that list for making some money. It seems very weird. But again, number there's no relation to like the one above it. You know, maybe World no, of Warcraft could have a, a billion times the revenue, but and it was yeah, still could be number yeah. five. But Terra's still bringing in money for whatever reason. So good for them. Good yeah. on you, Terra. Good on you, Terra. And have a great business model too, selling cosmetics. Of course, Pokemon Go is sitting at number one for mobile. No surprise there. It's going to be on the decline soon. I, I'm still. If I pull up my phone right now and I look at the highest grossing, because this is this is for July, we can look right now. If I look at my phone's Play Store, I look at the highest grossing games. Will what do you think? Do you think Pokemon Go will still be number one? No, Pokemon Go is definitely still number one, but it yeah, will be on the decline. It's still number one. Uh, Bloomberg recently put out a chart that showed you the uh, daily active users and how it is trending downwards. But then again, uh, keep in mind, I think. Pokemon Go was long overdue for a declining player base. We say it a lot, but player bases decline almost immediately the day after a game releases. So I think it's just catching up. It's normalizing to where it's supposed to be. Where it settles, I don't know. I think it's. I think the fad is over, though. I don't think. I still see, see people. It. I was riding my bike the other day. I saw. Few, I mean, they were kids, but I still see people playing the game. I don't around here. All right. And again, MO retention rate. Uh, this is still a remarkable statistic. 
that I feel is worth sharing again. It shows uh, like days after launch, within like a couple of days after launch, you lose like half the players. Like a week after launch, only 42% of people are still being retained. That was 20%. It's 20% uh, of the original player base now. Months after initial launch, you have 13% of the initial players oh, playing. Boy. Three months, 11%, and then it goes down progressively, and you only have the hardcore players. So when games launch, they, they, they always have a huge player base, and that number will quickly, quickly go down. It's remarkable how fast that goes down as well. Uh, there was one more bit of news I thought was fun from this. Yeah. Uh, we talked about uh, Supercell's Clash Royale, mm -hmm. which, was, which has been a big hit for Supercell developers of Clash of Clans. Uh, it turns out, and it should have been obvious, that Clash Royale was stealing the player base from Clash of Clans. Yeah. So their revenue actually dropped. Uh, wow. Clash of Clans revenue dropped, and then uh, Clash Royale's revenue also dropped. Uh, both experienced a dip in numbers. Um, so it just shows you can't, Unless you're Candy Crush, you really can't be regurgitating the same or relatively the same aesthetic or, or title and expect to make as much cash. Um, so not it's kind of funny. I think people are just moving on to other things. They they want to get away from Clash games. But what's remarkable is at least like at least Clash Royale was a little different than uh than yeah Clash it, it's true it was a different game. But it's still I think what happened was is the people who like those kinds of games they fall in that Venn diagram between the two. Mm -hmm. So they just jump back and forth. So you weren't really getting more players. They were already playing Clash of Clans, even though they're different kinds of games. Mobile games, I'll never understand them. I'll never <laughs> understand them. I, I even I did the first look for uh, Heroes Incredible Tales. I was excited. The game was different, and then all of a sudden, autoplay. Like you what, don't what, have what, to what, use autoplay. True. You don't have to, but it's there. But then again, in defense of Heroes Incredible Tales, at a later once you get to the more difficult areas, you can't use autoplay. It just kind of lets you farm the low level content and get past the early content because you do have to use some skill in Heroes Incredible Tales <laughs> at a certain point. It just you that could I just use it the whole time and not use autoplay. But Matt, it's like it's like you're playing a game, right? And there's a button in front of you that's like a cheat code, right? It's it's, it's built into the game. It's not even like you have to add a third party. It's like you, yeah, no, I don't turn on autoplay. Look, oh, I do. When the game, when the game like, makes that the optimal play. Wait, the guy who is defending raiding as being one of the better things to do if in MMOs. I'm playing League of Angels say, too. If a game has if a game has autoplay, what I it should, says yeah. to me is I'm devaluing the experience of this game. So I doubt a game like that's gonna have hardcore raiding. Yeah, it's not gonna have hardcore raiding. It's it, to have. But I'm just saying. You can't introduce artificial the people that I oh, look for. We're gonna get a little slightly off topic. For Pokemon games, for example, I I, I played. The original Pokemon games, I love them. I the latest one I played was Ruby, right? And it's pretty old now, Pokemon Ruby. And I, I beat it the same way I beat every other Pokemon game. I use my first starter Pokemon and I mash a <laughs> and I never even switch out Pokemon because there's absolutely no reason to. But then people are like, oh, if you play it with this style and you introduce artificial caps on what you can use, what you can do, like you add difficulty, not through the game, through limiting yourself. It's like that's not the way the game should be a little bit harder or have it on its own. I shouldn't I have, have done to that. play in a certain way to get a difficult experience. Yeah, you could all, do that. All, all I'm asking you to do is not press it's the in, button. It's on the screen. I got to press it, Matt. The tutorial says, it. by the that's, way, that's here's the autoplay. Wink, wink. Matt, you are, you are correct. But in my own professional autoplay browser game uh, expertise, my expert experience, mm -hmm. the games that have those features are, are just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, actually, uh, it's funny. Twin Saga did have an autoplay feature in a sense. It would run you to your, uh, Little, your quest. Yes, it was, again, I wasn't mad about it. Autoplay. 
It wasn't autoplay, it was auto run. How about no, that? no, Matt, in a way it was autoplay because in Twin Saga, when you click on, like, it was a button, like, get three flowers, right? You click on the quest, it oh, picks up a flower, flower automatically. Yeah. You click it again, it gets a different flower automatically. You click it again, you get a third flower automatically. Click it again, it brings it back to the quest NPC. The to only be fair, thing, that is the... one of the crappiest parts of every MMO. Yes, but. Uh, okay, guys, guys, guys. If you could design, how do you fix questing? Here's a little discussion for us. Questing in MMORPGs has always been kill X monsters, get three things. What, what can you introduce to questing to make it a little bit more involved? Whether we like kill it or not. the idea of quests. Yeah? Get rid of it entirely? Yeah. What do, you, do you replace it with anything then? Uh, it would get old after a while, but I would replace it with... Um, like, I'd have like a system of... Territorial conquest, basically, and based on what was owned by who and how the, like, and obviously, ideally, I'd have, like, some sort of, like, township system, and based on how the townships were built and based on, like, who owned what, it would automatically generate NPCs that have different things that happen. That's what I'd do. It seems kind of involved, like, if you're a new player, you know, and you don't know these townships, you just log into the game, you want to get stronger, what do you do? Yeah, but okay. Do you want involved an experience? Do you want an do you want an involved experience, or do you want one that you can easily get into? No, it's fun. Fun is the goal. Okay, but it is fun, but it has a learning curve. All right. So, so I think uh, I think you kind of described Eve, didn't you? Does Eve not the Eve sort of. quest? But Eve Online doesn't really have like the whole. You, you have to have content generated that's not based on the players. Because all, almost every game that is entirely based on players dies. Like, the ones that we see that survive are the outliers. No, that's true. Y you need something that is based on, like, the game itself. I, I will, alright, so I guess I'll, I'll give my two cents. One, I, I think player-created quests would be largely terrible. Uh, because I think that oh, only truly a few awful. players, I think only a few players actually care. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. I don't think questing needs much of a fix. Uh, playing WoW Legion recently, I think they did a really great job with their questing. Is it the same collect, kill, whatnot? Uh, yeah, but here's the difference, right? Okay, but here, here's I'm a quick question. Hold on. I, get, I don't draw my line. Go ahead. Like, well, my quick question was, doesn't uh, isn't Legion largely single player? Okay, now let me finish. Yeah, it, it, I guess. Yeah, sure. But that's that's a different conversation, right? Uh, in terms of questing, I mean, questing is typically a single-player experience to begin with, largely. There are group quests, but just to roll through traditional questing. Um, that's why I what, think you need to kill what, the idea of it, though. Okay, hold on. What, what they do that's good, and I think what a game does well, and we brought this up earlier, is you take your quests, and unlike Twin Saga, you integrate those quests with the environment. So I talk to an NPC, I get my quest, I have my kill quest, my collect quest. But as I go out to complete those quests, it's running me through this engaging environment, and that environment itself is what propels me to move forward. What Twin Saga did, what, did was confine you to a limited area. You could already see your quest objective uh, before you even took it on. When, when you take traditional questing, the traditional uh, boring on paper collect kill quests, and you, you create variety through the environment or some type of narrative, cinematic sequence, it keeps itself fresh. And I think that some games do that really well, but it's like an extra, it's an extra effort that most people aren't going to want to take. Um, so I think traditional questing is fine. I don't think it's broken. I think a lot of games do it badly, but there's a way right. to go about it the right way. Uh, I think that 
by saying that the ideal for questing ends up being single player is I didn't say ideal. I said that I'm only talking about um I mean, but right now that's the ideal, right? What WoW is doing. Right now. No, I'm not saying I never said ideal. That's the word you're putting. No, but I'm saying but out of what exists, it's the ideal. No. I don't know. I don't think so. what I'm saying is I'm taking the traditional mechanics, the traditional kill, collect, and I'm saying it can work. That's all I'm saying. You're saying yeah, okay, but it can work. I'm not saying ideal. There right. is no ideal. Here's my it's... ideal. I'm dropping the ideal, all right? Uh, you, got, you guys, here, here, here's, here's, here's my idea. Here's my idea. It's not, just get rid of the quests. They're gone. It won't, you'll have a problem in games like uh, Twin Side, which I think are, are, are kind of designed to have those quests propel you through the game, right? Which is why it kind of connects to my first point earlier when we talked about world building. Look at a game like FF14. Imagine having to explore that world on your own without being told where to go for what quest, where to go here for that quest. Where imagine you go outside town, you see like a, you, you look around, you find ogres in this cave, right? No quest brought you there. You just discovered it. And you go deeper, there's, diff there's different ogres. You find like a note on the floor like that gives you a story on like why they're there, you know, and stuff like that. And wh where else the ogre tribes are and stuff. Well, you can, you can find things on your own. I think a good example would be EverQuest because the game had the shittiest quest in the world to the point where they basically didn't have quests or the qu some of the quests they had were pretty good, but it wasn't traditional questing. The game was fun because you explored on your own. You found like a random bandit camp in the middle of West Karana and you, 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 you just kill them because like you've never seen these enemies before. You don't know what loot they're going to drop. There's so many different kinds of loot. The, if the world itself is alive and it feels big and it feels all interconnected well, I don't think you need quests to hold your hand through the game. By eliminating yes, quests, by eliminating quests, you you force players to discover things on their own. It's I hate being led. Okay, we're gonna take you to this dungeon over here, and even at 14, every quest takes you in certain ways, and you're just being led where to go the whole time. I want to go there on my own. The world looks beautiful. I want to look around, and I do, but I realize it's not optimal if I do that right now at 14 because I gotta do my quests. But luckily, there are side quests, and. It, because the way FF14 is, you can still do all the side quests and without doing the mainline story quest, which gives you that sense of you know exploring. But I, I think if you just get rid of quests, it could still work. It, it could actually be a net positive. But again, it won't work for games like Twin Saga, or the, the games that just are designed do this quest, go there. Twins, it's not going to work in Twin Saga. But I think it could work if you design around it in games like FF14, where you do have that wide open world. Okay, we got hung up on the wrong thing when I was talking. Anyways, my point is. If uh, the game is largely single-player because of questing content, I don't think having a great environment fixes that. And, it I mean, it doesn't replace, it doesn't make up for the fact that you're mostly playing a single-player game in a multiplayer environment. And I think the fact that it can be single-player highlights the problem with questing. Yeah. That, that, All right, there's there's two conversations going on here. Real quick, let me let's, let's tackle Omer first. Number one, I think that's a brilliant idea. Emerging, that's basically I, emerging. I, I, person, I am a right? brilliant person. But but the thing is, the, I think the reason why we don't see that is it's really hard to pull off. But I imagine we will uh, one day. It's really hard to it's really hard to lead somebody without them knowing you're being they're being led. I think you could have like a main quest, and then as you go on that main quest, you can turn right or left and find other quests, and it would be like you kill the ogres, and the thing comes up. It's like the townspeople love you. Go blah blah blah. But and then Matt, your point about uh, single player questing in MML, I never saw an issue with that. I think that uh, uh, there's there is still a um, something special about being in an environment, just seeing other people. We've talked about that a lot. I I have no issue 
actually, I hate the idea of being forced to constantly engage uh, in multiplayer in an MMO. Part of what makes MMO special is though, I, it's it's not just about engaging in multiplayer content. It's about a world where you have the opportunity to engage in multiplayer content, but you don't have to. It's about uh, an open-ended pursuit that way. You could be a single player and just have a neighbor. But... I'm not saying you have to engage with people. I'm saying that questing should be an experience that requires you to engage with people because it's structured content, you know? Like, structured content should push you to engage with people because it's a multiplayer game. And a multiplayer game... Or games that are doing things well with their structured content implore you to take advantage of all of their features. And if you've made it to like level 60 and it hasn't forced you to engage with somebody once, you know what I mean? Like it hasn't pushed you along the way to engage with other people even once. It is not doing its job right. All right. Well, I'll drop it. I'm not, I don't want to go in circles, so. All right. That's it's fair. Fair. All right, good, good point. I, I I just think quest as is. So Gubby's only as a quest as is, in principle. I'm saying okay. I'm not. The thing is, there is there is an overall. It's like uh, I hate. Oh, I hate this. But I, I don't think I don't think there there's they're bad. I mean, yes, it needs to evolve. Yeah, I agree, and I I'm, I would be fine with a game like that. But I don't think that there's a. I don't think you need to hate or despise current quests. Yeah. I think there is a right way to do it. That's all yeah. I'm trying to say. And, Fair. Many That's games fair. don't don't try and do that; they just recycle. But fair. Look, there's no right or wrong way to do any of this stuff, right? So my way's the right way. You're both wrong. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> All right, I think that's a good place to leave off because we're only have time for YouTube. We'll we'll keep it going the the after after show for a bit. Any any departing words? Oh um, yeah, I just I want to be sure to mention that I'm going to start up streaming tomorrow at what time? 3 p.m. EDT, 12 p.m. PDT. Or nice. here, I'll say it in an easier way to hear it. 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 Pacific. There you go. I had no idea what you were talking about. Yeah, me about. neither. These, these acronyms, <laughs> what do they mean? <laughs> that and P and E sound way too similar, so. <laughs> it's true. All right. Uh, later for YouTube. See you, YouTube. Leave a hateful comment. Yes.